0: Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host. Joined today by X's and O's expert uh, Ian Boyd of InsideTexas.com. Inside Texas is your source for Longhorn football and recruiting news. Ian, welcome to the show. Want to talk about an article you wrote uh, for Inside Texas today? Actually, a pair of them, uh, talking about what people should be watching for on offense and defense at the spring game. Let's start with what you had to say about the offense.
1: Well, you know, probably almost regardless of what I would say, people are going to watch the quarterbacks. So a fair number of the, a fair bit of the article was written to just kind of help guide people's eyes as they watch the quarterbacks. Um, The spring game can play tricks on you because the coaches control the context they control the environment. And, um, They don't, in one sense, they hold their offense back by not using all their good stuff that they're drawing up for that year's opponents with the evolving roster. And in another sense, they can absolutely, you know, handicap the defense to set up their quarterbacks. I remember back in 2014, they sent Tyrone Swoops out there and Charlie Strong's year one defense just chewed him up. Um, And then before you know it, he's facing the second string and then they're still chewing him up. And then at the end of the game, Tyrone Swoops orchestrates a, a touchdown drive against the third string defense with no blitzing. And was, and so then the story was written as, uh, I saw a lot of stories that were written as, um, you know, Tyrone Swoops, shaky start, but settles down and leads Texas offense. And it's like, that's not really what happened. They, Charlie, Charlie let his defense tear things up and then he, uh orchestrated a situation for tyrone swoops to have success which was not going to be at all indicative of what will happen next season so you have to watch for things like that when you're watching the quarterbacks like who are the receivers they're working with what sort of pass rush are they facing do they face blitzes do they place, face disguises um are they facing good defenders that are orchestrating any level of complexity or are they facing bad defenders who are just dropping back and watching the ball go over their heads which offensive lineman gets to block for which quarterback? What plays do they call? Do they do they take shots or not? So um, I that's a lot of things, but that context—if you just give it yourself a second to look at those—you can get it. You can actually get a decent sense from the spring game of where these guys are, but only if you factor in those uh, mitigating factors.
0: So even it, you know, obviously, it's not just that. You you obviously have have, have thought about the subject even more. Once you account for all of those things in the quarterback battle and and, and whatnot, what do you – and you take that deeper look, what exactly are you looking for?
1: I want to look at – the one thing that's in the article is that I I want to look less at the relationship between the quarterbacks and the receivers, which I think any of us can see. Like if Queen Ewers throws a beautiful ball and Isaiah Newell makes an amazing one-handed catch in the end zone, we can all see that. That's obvious. That's a good thing. It's obvious. But what is – a little more indicative of higher level play is how the quarterback interacts with the defense. So where do their eyes go? Do they look off safeties? Can they get deeper into their progressions and set their feet and throw it to the second or third guy in the progression? Can they get through their progressions at all? How do they handle pressure? Um, I look for those things. I found that if you're able to really piece out the quarterback's play from the context they're in, i found multiple spring games have actually told us accurately who the starter will be the next fall, whenever there's an actual quarterback battle. Like in uh, uh, 2016, I knew Shane Michelle was gonna beat Tyrone Swoops from the spring game. Within a couple of throws, I was like, this guy will be the quarterback. He's a true freshman, there's no doubt. Um, the last year I thought it was clear that Card would eventually win the battle. But just because he had some anticipation and ability throwing the ball that we just didn't see from Casey Thompson, even though Casey Thompson had, you know, the first team line, the first team receivers, Bijan Robinson. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'll be looking at. And I think that can actually be revealing.
0: Anything, are, are you looking for explosive plays on offense? Are you looking for more ball control, moving the ball on third and five? No. What, 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 are, you, what are your thoughts on, on that kind of uh, approach from a, from a spring practice?
1: No, it's so tightly scripted that I don't think any of that necessarily matters. More like basic level execution and fundamentals. Like what does it look like when, um, like say they have a third and eight and incidentally we get carriage versus like a GoFu or carriage versus a, a Nickel Blitz or something. I don't really care what happens on that play, but I do want to see what it looks like when Carich picks up that Blitz, that little small piece of it. I'm looking at that and that to me will be more revealing than whatever else happens on that play. Or um, if Quinn Ewers sits a wide open receiver on third and 10, hooray. But maybe the receiver got open against the third string corner or something. I want to see, does he, it would be a better indicator to me if we could see him get to like a third read and then maybe the ball bounces off a walk on's hands. And it's like, hey, when that's uh, Jordan Whittington that's going to be something, you know, so.
0: It's almost like you're trying to figure out the puzzle pieces uh, and, and insert the best opportunity that you can or, or the, the ideal opportunity or ideal personnel uh, that would be on the field at the same time. What do you think of the the zero-sum nature of the spring game as it relates to you were mentioning just now, um, Andre Carrick versus Ovio Gofu? Uh, you know, talk a little bit about that because I really feel like it can – spring games can be, can fool you. And not just because of how coaches script it. They can fool you because you can think your team is better than they are or or your players individually are better than they are or in in some cases worse than they are. Um, but I, if anything, Texas has suffered from the, the former, not the latter of late.
1: Yeah. I try to take some knowns. Like, I feel like in every spring there are at least a few knowns because we've seen a lot of these guys the year before. So, um, Last year, it was concerning when Ray Thornton wasn't really getting pressure against Christian Jones. Now, it was, there was optimism around the program that Christian Jones was going to make a leap. They were going to invest in him a lot, and he would make a good left tackle, or a much better tackle than he'd been in 2020. But we knew that he wasn't good in 2020, and we knew in 2021, and especially the spring before, he probably wasn't great yet. So if none of those new edges we brought in or that Texas brought in or that were coming up the depth chart, if none of them were going to get pressure on Christian Jones, that was a bad indicator. So you can, you can get some of the, especially when you look at it like matchup by matchup rather than just big picture results of did they convert the third and 10 or not. When you look at specific matchups, you can get a little more clarity because like we know if uh if Tavandre Sweat is in there and he stones a double team from Majors and Junior Ongalau in a in a downhill run play that's a very good sign because we've seen Ongalau and Majors not be stuffed against average big twelve opponents so you know take take a known and then see measure against what you what you've seen from the previous year
0: yeah i and that's it's interesting because uh Texas uh, it, it sounds like we don't know if Carich is going to play because of the ankle problem, uh, but uh, the, the, the issue around, it, at least we don't know as we're taping this, whether he is or not, uh, they, they may do it. They may announce it here pretty quick, but if, 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 and when Texas gets going uh, on Saturday with this uh, and and the offense has a lot of big plays uh, you know, what, what, I'm trying to say this in a way that doesn't overemphasize the results, if that makes sense. I, I don't want to say, Oh, well they had eight big plays or eight 30 yard plus plays is the defense messing up or is the offensive offense really clicking? Um, is, is there anything like that that you look for? Is it, is it watching a guy like Xavier worthy being able to run away from just about anybody or Bijan Robinson make a cut like he did last year in the spring game against Brennan schooler, or you know what from a from a results perspective are you looking for i guess that domination almost or that that guy can beat anybody at a at a particular time because that's kind of what I will say this i i I agree with what you just said i i take away of okay Bijan Robinson we knows he's really good if, right. if Maurice Blackwell tackles him in the open field, Maurice Blackwell is a good tackler, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But there are precious few, I would argue there are precious few of those data points that we really know are valuable because you even mentioned it just there. Majors and anglau could move some guys in the Big 12, but they didn't move the Baylor kid. And they didn't move some other, I, they didn't move some other guys. So really what is good, right? I, I think that, that there's, so how do you judge results based off of that? And I, I'm not sure that, that you can, I would love personally, I'd love to see big plays because I think that that's, that's what Steve Sarkeesian draws up uh, and what he needs.
1: Well, I think that this offense. I already feel confident personally that this offense could light up this defense if it were an actual competitive situation. Um, I don't even really have very much doubts about that. I think maybe a more telling thing would be how they get big plays. How do they get explosives? Are they? How much do they have to handicap the defense to achieve the result of like a Quinn Ewers hitting Casey Kane on a touchdown pass for seventy yards? I think they really want that to happen because it excites the fans. We love it because everybody's excited to talk about it Um, and recruits love it because they get excited too, because they're 16, 17 year old kids. So they definitely want that to happen. It's what do they have to do to script the game to make sure it happens is maybe the way I would look at that. Um, If they come out of this game and they throw the ball, 50 times between all the offenses, and there are no big explosive plays. That would be like the concern if they couldn't make that happen at all. Um, even then, I would be tempted to just rule it as, off as an anomaly or, or check the wind conditions or something, you know. But, um, okay, Jimbo, <laughs> I know, I know. I, but I will say, you know, there, I watched Kyler Murray in his first spring game, and I was like, I don't know, I don't quite see it with this guy. It, Maybe he should just play baseball. <laughs> I think I said that publicly somewhere and got just owned later because I was very wrong. Because the wind was actually significant in Norman that day. So uh, yeah, I, I how they achieve how they what are they aiming to achieve and then how do they achieve it? And I think we know that they're going to want to achieve big explosive plays that make people ooh and awe about Quinn Ewers' arm and the receiving talent and. Um, can they achieve that with the defensive backs playing man coverage? Do they ask them to just play uh, spot drop zone and barely try on defense? Um, I, that's, I'm, I, I look at it more from that perspective.
0: What, 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 let's, let's flip sides now and talk about the defense. Um, I spoke with Eric Nolene on Wednesday about this. Um, we talked about the secondary and and I was wanting to see some cohesiveness or some uh, not even communication so much as a, a semblance of playing as a unit, as a unit, right? It's yeah. almost like I think the secondary is very similar to the offensive line, right? In that the, the best ones play together. They pass things off to one another well. Um, they they make up for each other's mistakes a little bit. Um, what are you looking for on the defensive, front, defensive side of the ball?
1: I mean, exactly that. There was actually a um, – this is one of my favorite – spring game examples for why they actually matter even though they are carefully scripted exhibitions is in 2018 I watched Auburn spring game because I was going to write about them they had like a big early season matchup against uh, Washington actually Pete Kwiatkowski and I was watching Auburn's defense in the spring game and they were playing their base pattern matching coverages really really well they traded guys off um the guys were picking up the right receivers. There was very little windows to throw the ball into. And uh, they had just hired Kevin Steele to replace uh, Will Muschamp, I believe. And so I think I think there was a lot of carryover and a lot of the same Saban uh, defense stuff. And I was like, uh, these guys, this is not the same defense. These guys are playing defense at a really high level. And then sure enough, that was the year that they played. Great defense, they were good on offense too. And they won like 10 games and won almost won the SEC championship, lost the rematch to Georgia. So that's that's a good example of, like, you can't hide fundamentals. And so I want to see what coverages the defense tries to play and what run fits they try to execute and how well they do them, how well the guys play together. Like, does one guy spill a runner to the right person? Does this guy pick up the right receiver, trade the right receiver to the right safety or linebacker?
0: Tax day is coming. Oh, no.
1: And uh, if they're there in spring, that's a really good indicator for the season.
0: i tell you what, um, the idea of spilling it to the right guy in the run game, that, that was a big one that happened last year and, and all season long, really. Um, I, I couldn't agree more with that that comment. Um, but Texas still doesn't have, uh, ostensibly, O'Shawn Mathis is not on campus uh, for, uh, for this summer. Uh, Texas fans hope, uh, and I'm sure Texas coaches hope even more, that Mathis joins them soon. But given that, um, what, what are the expectations there and what are you really thinking about and, and, and wanting to see?
1: Um, well, I, selfishly, as an X's and, an X and, X and, X and O's guy, I want to see them run whatever they're actually going to run next season so I have an, a better idea of what it's going to be. I doubt that they honor that request. I feel like they might just run back last year's defense, even if they haven't worked on it that much. Um, But I want to look at—I want to look at all these young edge guys they have, and I want to see where they're at. I want to see what they look like against collegiate offensive linemen. I want to see if A. Gofu has a little more self-control when he's on the edge and contained. I want to see what Baron Sorrell Sorrell looks like with extra weight and coaching. I wanna see Alfred Collins in his natural position. Where do they put more Ojimo? What does Overshone look like at 230 pounds and where are they using him? So some of these practice reports I read, it's not obvious to me even how exactly they're using him. So um, it seems like he's all over the place. And I don't know if that's because his position is flexible because his position is evolving or because he's just so fast that he ends up all over the place. So I wanna see you know, what that looks like. Hopefully they don't hold him out uh, this game.
0: Yeah. You know, we talk about that, but the pass defense, the run defense, those sorts of things, Texas gave up a lot of big plays last year too. Um, What about overall team speed on defense? Is that something that you're looking that that you even contemplate or is it more uh, talking about the pieces that you have versus what is not on the field? Because that's one thing I do try to glean from, from a, a, a spring practice is really what is it? What does the team's athleticism look like? I mentioned this to Eric as well, and, and I think that that as an X's and O's guys, you can get too uh, tied up sometimes in you know this guy is supposed to be here and he didn't do it right. When sometimes that guy can just run by the other guy, right? And I feel like uh, at what level are you really looking at the athleticism overall of the team as you watch the spring spring game?
1: that's definitely a trap for me i tend to look at um who's supposed to be where and when which can give you some idea of team speed but you can have you can have a, a not terribly quick defense that plays fast or is not apparently um limited or unathletic if they just play things right so i often only notice guys that have real speed when they do something that is not even supposed to happen like um George has always had guys like Roquan Smith or Nakobe Dean where they make a play and you're like, wait. That's not where the linebacker is even. He just doesn't even have to be involved there. Why? How is he that? How's that dude there? You know, um, so. Uh, but that said, I will, because there are so many guys that we haven't seen on the field yet. I will be looking at things like um, Keaton Crawford, how much range he has, how quickly he gets downhill. And uh, Anthony Cook, what does it look like when, he, when he's playing at the angles he'll be playing at at safety? And then for sure, the one spot I definitely look at speed, even as an X's and O's guys who can get lost in the weeds, is on the edge and at cornerback versus receiver. Um, there's no hiding if a guy just runs past another guy. And so you want to see that when it happens.
0: I want to take you now um, to the article that I wrote this morning uh, about the number of points it takes to win or lose in the Big 12. Um, And before I do that, I want to mention to folks, please, uh, if you're not a subscriber to Inside Texas, please give us a shot. We have a rare special right now. We've mentioned this before, but I want to uh, give it one last uh, spiel because uh, this is the last week for it. $1 for four months of an introductory subscription to InsideTexas.com. Ian, um, what do you think about uh, what I wrote this morning, the 32, it took the median winning score of a big 12 game this year was 32 points. Okay. The median score last year for the Texas offense, even though what they averaged 35 points a game or uh, 30, where am I? At? 34 points a game in conference, their median score was only 24. So they're more than a, they're more than a, a touchdown really on average. Um, and then furthermore, um, the Big 12 only had four games this year where the loser l- scored 35 points or more. Of those four, Texas was involved in three of them. So Texas was involved in three of the four true shootouts um, in, uh, in, in uh, the Big 12 this year, uh, losing two of the three. What, what do you make of, of all that? Am I, do you, am I wrong in that I think it's going to take – I mean, it's the same as I've always said. It takes about 30 points a game to win in the big 12
1: for sure if anything it might be more this year for the reasons that we talked about in the last podcast with a lot of these guys are going to want to go fast and um even if your offense isn't as good if you go faster you score more points or the other guy does so yeah what was the median for the winners 32 points a game 32
0: the the median winning score was 32 points
1: i kind of expect that to be maybe like 35 this year um, I don't, I haven't, I haven't looked at these year to year to know how much that could or should change. Maybe if we looked at like, uh, 2018, that would be a good year to see what, when the big 12 is really cooking, what it takes. Um, it's, it's remarkable. It's such a good indicator that last year for opponents often came down to, uh, do you have the defensive athletes and discipline to handle Sark's script for Xavier Worthy and Bijan John Robinson. And if yes, then you were going to shut Texas down because they weren't going to execute anything. And if no, then Sark could scheme his way to 70 points on Tech and uh, 55 or whatever on Oklahoma, who had just an atrocious secondary last year. And um, what was the other one, Kansas? 56, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, um, That's that's remarkable. Their their stat where where that basically amounted to uh, the only team that lost shootouts last year was Texas It's just a remarkable stat. I I think some of that is that. It felt like they uh, gave up a little on defense after the Iowa State loss, Um, the Bo Davis ranch was not the galvanizing force we we thought it might be or hoped on Texas Twitter. They they just looked like they were just done after that. They were they were heeding his advice to just hop in a transfer portal if they if that was their destination. So, um, but that Oklahoma game was something else too. That I don't know. Such a weird season for Texas. I feel like these stats reflect such a weird, janky season. Um, it, I think the it, it tells the same story I think as all the roster turnover that Sark is employing, where he's like yeah. some of this team it just needs to change. We. Can, we need a we need a certain generation to die out to get out of the wilderness and enter the promised land.
0: Well, I mean, here's the reality: they finished three and six in conference, right? Um, yeah. And they averaged scoring 34 points a game. They averaged giving up 35 points a game. Um, you know, they did lose a couple. I mean, they lost some. They lost more close wins than they won. That's for sure. Uh, but my 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 take on this is is more in this. You know, as we look. To this coming season um you're saying 35 points and I, you know say the goal is getting to the big 12 championship game the reality of it is is texas is going to have to be at least a touchdown better on offense at least uh and 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 by that i mean in conference against good opponents and then at least a touchdown better on defense also there's not – it's not just the offense is going to be able to outscore everybody. The defense has to improve here too if the Longhorns want to have a real shot at getting into the Big
1: 12 championship. Yeah. Uh, the defense probably – I think the, the, the likely formula for getting to the Big 12 championship this year is the offense scoring 40 points a game and the defense being uh, solid. If you have, If you have a 40 points per game offense and your defense is – knows how to fit the run for instance you'll blow out some teams just because they won't be able to lean on your defense the way they should and then in in close games still might be 50 50 the defense still might let you down but you'll just have a lot fewer of them how many how many one possession games did texas play in last year like six or seven or something you you don't you probably don't get to the big 12 championship game if you play in that many close games you need it to be much safer so
0: yeah, I, I would say this as I'm looking at it, is the thing that I would say about the Texas defense. And this is where this is the one that really scares me. The stat from a this standpoint as it relates to going potentially to a Big 12 championship game. Texas last year's their defense only gave up less than 30 points in conference twice. 27 to TCU, 17 to KSU. Mm-hmm.
1: They won those games.
0: They won both those games. Yeah. But my, my, the point, the bigger point being is you can't win a bunch of games in the conference if, if of this, of the nine games, you're giving up 30 points or more. And it's just, that's not going to happen.
1: Yeah. That's pretty safe, especially last year, because last year, it's not like there were even that many explosive offenses. Um, so it's not yep. to not hold any of them down was a pretty bad indicator.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, hey, Ian Boyd, I, I I think that's enough for today. We got in the talk about the, the spring scrimmage and just a couple of days away here. Uh, very interested to see that uh, and the results. I know we'll be talking again next week, probably drawing up some of the big plays on that that whiteboard behind you, and then uh, also uh, a couple of programming notes here. Uh, we'll uh, we'll be on, I'm, I'm on the road. Uh, tomorrow, uh, but I will have uh, at least one video on Friday coming in with a special guest, uh, Drew Kelson, uh, former Longhorn football player. Uh, we'll be joining the show, and uh, we'll be happy to have him. Ian, thanks for, thanks for being here. Uh, everybody that's watching, thank you for watching as well. Uh, this has been On Texas Football.